This morning, God's Word comes to us from Romans chapter 3. Romans 3, we're going to begin our reading at verse 19 and then read through verse 26 of this chapter. Romans 3, beginning at verse 19. What we hear now is God's word. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we continue this morning to talk about the application of redemption in the life of the believer, or what is often referred to as the ordo salutis. Uh, we have talked about a number of terms in this series, some of those terms more familiar, some of those terms less familiar. Uh, tonight, this morning, uh, we are talking about the term justification. And I would imagine, children, even you have heard me say justification before. I think probably of all the theological vocabulary out there, justification is probably the word you will hear most from the pulpit. Uh, it is a word that we should be familiar with. Justification is at the heart of what it is to be saved. It speaks of how a holy God and an unholy people can be brought together. Justification has been called the doctrine on which the church stands or falls. There are some things we can disagree about. There are some things we can be in error on. Justification is not one of those things. Justification and a proper understanding of justification from the Word of God is at the heart of our salvation. And as fundamental as it is, as basic as it is, it is a doctrine which is still 
under attack today. In many ways, just like in the Reformation times. How are we justified? How is an unholy man made right with a holy God? A proper understanding of justification is one of the hallmarks of a Reformed church. And yet it's still, this fundamental doctrine still faces challenges today. Perhaps you have heard words like federal vision. Perhaps you've read in a, a magazine about a new perspective on Paul. These in various ways are challenges and seek to undermine the fundamental doctrine of justification in the life of the believer. This morning, we look at Romans chapter 3 and what Paul says about justification. In this series, I have tried to pick the most classic texts which highlight the application of salvation we're talking about on that morning. And certainly, certainly Romans chapter 3 is, is one of the most classic texts to describe how we are justified. The beginning of Romans is all about that. God's holiness, God's righteousness, man's fallenness. How do we put these two things together? And Romans 3 gives us a beautiful statement of the doctrine of justification. The question, how can man be right with God? That's, that's at the heart of justification. How can man be right with God? Of course, to ask that question presupposes that currently we are not right with God. Even to ask the question, how can man be justified, indicates there is a necessity that we be justified. There is a broken relationship between God and man. Where did that break take place? Why is this necessary? Well, kids, the broken relationship between God and man took place all the way back in the Garden of Eden, all the way back to Adam and Eve. They lived in a perfect relationship with each other, and they lived in a perfect relationship to God, and God told them how they could continue in that relationship and be confirmed in that relationship. And yet Adam and Eve chose to go their own way. Adam and Eve chose to break the law of God. Like we read earlier in Romans, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie a lie that came from Satan. And because of that sinful choice, they plunged themselves and they plunged all of their posterity, all the generations, to this broken relationship. How can man be made right with God? It's even beyond that. How can sinful man be made right with God? That's what Paul's dealing with. How can sinful man be made right? We didn't read it, but just before this section, Paul gives us this description of the nature of sin in mankind from Romans 3, verse 10. 
None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's his description of the fallenness of sinful man. His tongue is corrupt. His mouth is corrupt. His feet are corrupt. His actions are corrupt. Everything about him corrupt and fallen. And Paul says, God is a God who is terribly angry because of that kind of sin. Again, we read earlier this morning, chapter 1, verse 18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. God is angry about sin. God is angry about those who have this condition. In chapter 2, verse 5, but because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. A broken relationship between God and man. A, a, a relationship that requires something to happen to put it back together. A relationship that requires the removal of the offense. The removal of sin and the restoration to righteousness and to holiness. That's, that, that, that's the necessity and justification. The removal of the offense, removal of sin, and the restoration to righteousness and holiness. So what is the, the nature of justification? And I have to kind of apologize for the word that I have on your outline this morning. I have the forensic nature. Now, kids, I'm sure forensic is a word you don't use very much or even hear very much. Uh, it, 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 it's, a, it's a proper word. It just doesn't, we don't know it very well. Forensic simply means something that is said, something that is declared, a statement that is made. That, that, that's, that's the forensic nature, something declared, something spoken, something said. The nature of justification is something said by God. Now, as we have seen throughout this series, uh, there are, while God is the author of our salvation from first and last, there are parts of the Ordo Salutis that highlight his work and parts of the Ordo Salutis that highlight our response to his work. For example, the last couple of weeks, we've talked about faith and repentance. Yes, faith, a gift from God. Yes, repentance worked in us by the Holy Spirit, but it is our faith. It is our repentance. That is not the case with justification. Justification is wholly a work from God. Because we are simply incapable of justifying ourselves. That's what Paul says in verse 20. For by works of the law, doing what's right, 
No human being will be justified in his sight. Justification is simply something we cannot do. Trying to remove the sin, trying to restore the right relationship, returning to holiness and righteousness, we simply can't do enough. There's not enough good works possible that we could do to fix that relationship. When we think we're, we're beginning to live for God, we recognize there's a whole other part of our life where we're not living for God. Well, this is something that, that God must do. All of our works tainted with the stain of sin. Justification, its forensic nature, is a declaration that God makes. It's a declaration about righteousness. But the nature of justification is not such that God makes us righteous. We do not become righteous in justification. When we want to know what a word means, we look at where else it is used in Scripture. And justification is obviously used elsewhere in Scripture. If we look at uh, Deuteronomy 25, we read there, if there is a dispute between men and they come into court and the judge decides between them, justifying the innocent and condemning the guilty. Well, if the judge justifies the innocent, it doesn't mean he's making them innocent. They are innocent. He's simply declaring them innocent. Justification is not about making us righteous, it's about declaring us righteous. We could go to Proverbs chapter 17. In Proverbs 17, we read this. He who justifies the wicked and who condemns the righteous are both an abomination to the Lord. One who justifies the wicked is an abomination. Now, if justification me meant to make righteous, well, that would be a good thing. It'd be a good thing to make the wicked righteous. But what the proverb says is, those who are declaring the wicked as though they are righteous, that's why it's an abomination. Not making them righteous, declaring them to be righteous. And just one text from the New Testament, from the Gospels in the Gospel of Luke. We read there in Luke uh, 29, uh, 7 verse 29, When all the people heard this, and the tax collectors too, they justified God. They justified God. Now certainly, they did not make God righteous. They declared him to be who he is. They declared him to be righteous. The forensic nature of justification is not making us righteous, it is declaring us righteous. It's, it's, it's a change in our status. And kids, I may have used this example before, but I figure if I've forgotten it, you've probably forgotten it too. Um, but before I was married, I was a single man. After I got married, I became a married man. Now, my being didn't change. I was a man before I got married, and I was a man after I got married. But my status changed. Before, I was single and happy. 
after I was single and happier. My status changed, but my being did not. That's what's going on in justification. Yes, we remain fallen and sinful, but God declares that he will choose to see us no longer as sinful, but see us as righteous. A declaration on God's part. What does our confession say about justification? In the Heidelberg Catechism, question 60, how are you righteous before God? How are you justified? Even though my conscience accuses me of having grievously sinned against all God's commandments and never having kept any of them, and of still being inclined toward all evil, nevertheless, without any merit of my own, out of sheer grace, God grants and credits to me the perfect satisfaction, righteousness, and holiness of Christ as if I had never sinned or been a sinner, as if I had been as perfectly obedient as Christ was obedient for me. How are we right with God? God declares us to be right. As if we had never sinned or been a sinner. As if we had been as perfectly righteous as Christ was. Not being made righteous, but being declared righteous. And so that's what we read in verse 26 of our chapter. All of this was to show God's righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. And I hope, I hope when we think about the fact that we remain fallen, we remain sinners, our being hasn't changed, but God is just in simply declaring us to be righteous, I hope that causes some kind of cognitive dissonance with you. How can that be? How can God be just and declare someone who is fallen and sinful and guilty as if they are not? If that happened in a human court, if a magistrate had someone before them who they knew was guilty and the public knew was guilty and the magistrate says, but you know what? I'm going to declare you not guilty. I'm going to ignore your sin. I'm going to imagine that you were as perfectly obedient as anyone else. We'd say, how unjust. How can that be that this, this criminal is getting off? How is it that God is just and the justifier? It is not because of any inherent righteousness in us. No, God, God can be just in justifying the sinner, declaring them to be no longer fallen and sinful, declaring them righteous. God is just, not because of our righteousness, but because of the righteousness of another, because of Christ's righteousness. Christ came and lived an absolutely perfect life, never disobeying the law of God. He was righteous. And in what, in what Christ did, he, when he was on the cross, not only removed our sins, removal of the guilt, 
But God, God takes all of his righteousness and imputes that to us, reckons that to us, declares that for us. Christ's righteousness given to us that we might be declared righteous before God. This is all from God himself, which is why he says in verse 21, now the righteousness of God has been manifested, apart from law, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. A righteousness not of our own, a foreign righteousness, an alien righteousness, a righteousness that comes from Christ himself, reckoned to us, imputed to us, declared about us because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. Our standing, our status changes because of what Christ has done. And that, that glorious declaration of God, that, that, that understanding of justification, of what God has done, is appropriated, is embraced through our faith. A righteousness of God through faith. And we've talked about faith. I'm not going to re-preach that sermon. We've talked about faith. Faith is not the ground of our salvation. It's not our faith in faith. It is the instrument by which these truths come to us. Christ is the ground of our salvation. Christ finished work. But we appreciate that. We appropriate that. We make that our own by faith in Jesus Christ. And so, once again this morning, I cannot call you to justify yourself. We cannot justify ourselves. But I can and must call you to believe what God has said about justification. To believe the truth of the work of Jesus Christ. That he is the one who has removed the offense between a holy God and unholy mankind. He is the one who, has been, who declares righteous those who are fallen. And he is just in doing that. Because of the finished work of Jesus, put your faith, put your trust in him. And know the glories of this, this wonderful truth. Justification is not simply a theological category. It is not a chapter in a systematic theology textbook. Justification is about the work of God through Jesus Christ with respect to us. And for those who recognize there was nothing in us that God would choose us. While we were still sinners, God chose to show his love and send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us. For that beautiful truth, we respond with joy and with love and with devotion and with a desire to live in a way that is pleasing to God, all because he has chosen to justify. He is just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, as we talk about our salvation, we recognize it is first and last from you. We humbly confess there is no way that we could keep the law. There is no way we could be justified by the law. No, you have done in your Son, Jesus Christ, what we were absolutely incapable of doing, and we thank you for that glorious work 
We thank you that he has removed our sins. We thank you that in him we are declared righteous as if we had never sinned or been a sinner, as if we had been as obedient as Christ was obedient for us. Thank you for this glorious truth written throughout your word. Lord God, may this, may this help us to leave today rejoicing in the salvation that is ours and with a joy and desire to serve you every day of our lives. Hear our prayer, O oh God, for Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's turn in the Trinity Psalter to number 400.